Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Thanks for listening tonight. As always, I am your host, Sandman, and I'll be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call parareality. But it's getting near the end of another season of parareality. There's only one more episode to go before I take a break. I know that I've already had one this season, but, you know, sometimes you need more than one, especially when your seasons last as long as mine. I go for, like, 11 months. Other popular podcasts go for, like, you know, a couple of months at a time. They take a month off or whatever, and then they go again. And I just keep on trucking all the way through the year. Can't help it. I love it. Love to podcast. So whenever I was planning what to talk about tonight. The world got a pleasant surprise from AlienCon when they made the announcement that the convention would return from March 4th through 5th, 2023 in Pasadena, California. You know, they went to the first two AlienCons and I had a wonderful time and it was a blast. It was, the first one was absolutely amazing. And I met some interesting people and even made some friends that I'm still in contact with today. And I'm going to try my best to be there for this one, too. Anyway, the AlienCon announcement, well, it made me realize that I haven't done an episode about aliens or UFOs in quite a while. So I decided that it was past time that I changed that. And... As usual, I didn't want to talk about the same old boring stories that have been beaten into death into the ground. So I decided to talk about some of the strangest alien and UFO encounters in recent history. What are they? 
who experienced these? Have you even heard of any of these? Well, I'll be telling you a little about these and also let you hear what the people who experienced these had to say for themselves. I'll let you hear what they had to say in their own words. And of course, to learn more, you'll have to turn on, tune in, and find out. But first, take a listen to this for me for a minute. Aero Reality is a proud member of the Straight Up Strange podcast network. To learn more about all the awesome podcasts that are members of the Straight Up Strange family, go to straightupstrange.com and get strange. Hey, how would you like to be an agent of chaos? What is chaos? It's the Knowledgeable Apprentices of Sandman, and that's what I call my Patreon account members. I'm looking for new agents, and I'd love it if you'd sign up to become one. There are three levels of agents, and all are extremely affordable, $5 a month or less. Each level offers exclusive content, along with the ability to help create podcast episodes and even the chance to be a guest or a co-host. To learn more, head on over to patreon.com slash parareality. 100% of the proceeds from Patreon goes back into producing quality content for this podcast. You are listening to the Parareality Podcast, your information source for conspiracy theories, UFOs, the paranormal, and all things unexplained. New episodes drop the first Friday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. Listen on your favorite podcast station. Turn on, tune in, and find out. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. Over the past several years, really since 2017, unidentified flying objects or UFOs, UAPs or unidentified aerial phenomena as they're now called, really have been at the forefront of the news. It's no longer relegated to podcasts like this one or some weird obscure website or fringe media, as they say, UAPs have become mainstream topics. And that's thanks to the videos that were released in 2017 by the government, thanks to uh, Lou Elizondo when he uh, revealed that uh, basically Project Blue Book never really went away. They just changed its name to ATIP. And these things really helped propel the UAP experience or the UAP phenomenon to the forefront of mainstream news media. You got CNN, Fox, MSNBC, even local news uh, agencies are all talking about UAPs. And there's been government hearings on them, and, and now the government has decided to hire an independent committee to look into these things and try to figure out what their legitimacy are. It, you know, even 60 Minutes has done a story on UAPs. So 
UAPs are now being taken seriously, and it's not just relegated to, as I said earlier, fringe news media outlets. These things are being taken seriously, and I think you'll agree with me that it's it's far way, way past time for this to happen. You know, there's really no way to handle a UFO or an alien encounter. Most of us probably have never had one and probably never will. But when it comes to these bizarre encounters, there aren't really too many things that can compare to it. Now, obviously, the Roswell crash is the pinnacle. It's at the top, right? Uh, It happened in 1947. And that's really where the modern UFO or UAP era began. Everything has kind of cascaded off of Roswell. It's been, what, over 70 years and we're still talking about it. There's still so many theories out there, so many accounts as to what happened. Things changed. There's been, God, who knows how many books written about what happened at Roswell. And Almost all of them say something different. You know, even though it's been over 70 years, Roswell is still at the pinnacle of all this. It's the granddaddy of all UFO stories. And if we could prove that to be true, then what else is out there? You know, with so many stories going around, it's hard to differentiate between what's real and what's a hoax, especially these days. Stories of being medically experimented on or being tied down on an alien craft or, you know, somehow being taken without your knowledge or just some of the encounters that we hear about most often. Now, tonight, I'm going to be talking about a few of the weirdest, strangest UFO and alien encounters that I know that I've heard of. Now, these encounters didn't necessarily turn out bad. They were a little scary, but they all seem to end rather on a good note or rather calmly. So it's not like these are violent or bad stories. They're just kind of weird. It's almost like having a nightmare. It's scary while you're having the nightmare, but when you wake up, everything's fine. Now, whether you believe In UAPs or UFOs or not, the people that I am going to be talking about tonight who are sharing their encounters, this is their truth. They, whether it happened to them or not, or maybe I should say whether it really happened or not, they believe that it did. These people are telling their truth. And what I'm going to do is describe a little bit about what these incidents were and then let you hear, when I can, from the people who actually experienced these things themselves through audio clips. And before I do that, I want to go on record to say all audio clips that are used in this episode are being used according to guidance under the Fair Use Act of 1976. And with that being said, here we go. The first person I'm going to talk about is someone that is not really um, 
all that famous and hasn't really been doing this for very long, only since COVID hit. Her name is Lily Nova. Maybe you've heard of her. Maybe you hadn't. And like a lot of people involved with UFOs and UAPs, Lily Nova's alien encounters and experience with UAPs didn't start from childhood. Her encounters didn't even start with her actively looking for UAPs and aliens. It started during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, she lives in, in Missouri, and she had an interest in astrophotography, shooting the stars, right? And she was engaged in doing this. She didn't have anything else to do during the pandemic, right? Like all the rest of us just about it. And she was exploring her interest in astrophotography, which led to her having alien encounters. Her first encounter was in November of 2020. And she saw a couple of UAPs flying over her neighborhood. And the more time she spent outside, the more frequent these encounters became. And she started seeing different aliens. The ones she remembered seeing the most had like a blue complexion, and she saw some with glowing skin and blonde hair as well. And rather than having physical encounters, these aliens sent images, projected themselves to her through telepathy. And I'm going to let you hear a couple of minutes of her talking about um, communicating with aliens. Whenever the UFOs first started visiting me, uh, there was no communication yet. They were just kind of like feeling me out, easing me into an introduction, and they would pop up, and I didn't know, you know, why they were here, what they were trying to tell me, but I knew that they were trying to tell me something. As they kept popping up, I remember going for a walk one night and just looking up at the stars and, and just talking to them, asking them, you know, why are you appearing? What would you like me to do? Why are you here? And do you want me to share this with people? You know, I had a deep calling to share my experiences, share my footage, because in the beginning I was documenting all of these UFOs that I was seeing. After that walk, I remember something had happened either that later that night or the next day that answered my question. That was like a for sure answer, but it was in kind of like a subtle, mysterious way. So I realized that they were actually listening. And then as time went, I developed my intuition and was able to communicate with them better, communicate with source better. But what I'm trying to say is just start talking. Start talking to your guides, start talking to angels, start talking to your star family, whatever you feel called to do, just start talking. Everybody. So that was just a couple of minutes of a over 20 minute long video that she posted on her YouTube account. And if I am understanding this right, she's just basically saying, hey, if you want to start communicating with these aliens that uh, you just basically need to start talking out loud, start talking to yourself, which seems kind of strange to me. But, I mean, look, I talk to myself all the time. 
some of the most interesting conversations I've ever had. I've had with myself, I think. I don't know what that says about me. But anyway, I don't feel that um, I just by talking to myself, I've projected anything out there into the cosmos. And may, maybe that's why I haven't heard from uh, these particular aliens that she's talking about because I'm not projecting my intent out into the cosmos and I start talking to them or source as what she says. And there's a whole um, definition according to her of what source is, but I'm not going to get into that here on this podcast. The next person I want to talk about is Jane Nelms. Now she's no stranger to having alien encounters. Uh, back in uh, oh 1973, she was abducted by five aliens. And then you fast forward to sometime in the 80s, and uh, she found out she was pregnant. And after some horrible night she had, she woke up no longer pregnant. Now, I don't know how long, how far along in her uh, term that she was, uh, as far as being pregnant, but it's one of the the um, very commonalities that you find with women who are supposedly in a breeding program is that, and, and, and she's only one. I've got another one that I'm going to be letting you uh, hear a little bit later on, but it, this is one of the common things that happens when women are in a breeding program, an alien breeding program, is that they are pregnant and then all of a sudden they're not or they have a miscarriage but there's no fetus. And that is something that occurs again, again, and again. It's a very common theme that happens with people who are in women who are in alien breeding programs. Now, uh, years later, you fast forward from the 80s, and years later, um, she and a uh, UFO group that she was part of gathered in uh, Winsboro, Texas. And while she was there, she said she remembered seeing a bright white light glaring through every window in the house, and she also heard that there was a gray alien outside. And by the time she got out there to investigate it, she had heard branches snapping and noises coming from the ship, the alien spacecraft, as it was ascending into the air, and she did not get a chance to see it. Now, um, the clip that I'm going to play here for you is from KLTV News 7, and it's, oh, let's see, how long is this clip? This is, uh, it's, it's pretty long. It's about five and a half minutes, so I'm just going to let you listen to this from uh KLTV News 7. Just months ago, dozens of East Texans reported extraordinary encounters in Erath County, seeing lights in the sky and flying objects near Stephenville in Dublin, Texas. Now, we are not here to say those things happened or didn't happen, but for many, there is still a lot that is unexplained about all this. Tonight, we continue an East Texas woman's story of alleged alien abductions. You'll remember, Jane Nelms lives near Winsboro and is also president of the UFO Society in Plano. She grew up in England and has lived many, many places, claiming aliens follow her and constantly visit, even now, here in East Texas. Tonight, KLTV7's Courtney Lane brings us more of Nelms' bizarre stories 
and we'll leave it up to you to decide if you believe or not. Jane Nelm says one of the most interesting encounters happened one night near Winsboro. She, along with others from the UFO support group, gathered at a neighbor's home in the country. We all saw this brilliant white light, and no matter wherever, a couple of seconds later it would be, we'd see it from another window. And uh, Wayne goes, oh no, he goes, they're all around the house. So one of the guys goes out to his car to get a packet of cigarettes. He comes back, the color of this paper here, without his cigarettes. And standing by his car is one of the greys, the small aliens. Nelm says her husband was in the backyard, so she stepped outside to check on him. We hear this snapping of branches and crash, boom. All of a sudden we hear and as that ship took off, it snapped off all these branches in the woods. And I went back into the house. She says the aliens never came inside the house that night, but were observing them from all around. Nelm says somebody else has been observing her too, men in black. She believes the government agents do exist and attempted to silence her after she went on a radio station in Dallas. Nelm says one came to her one day while she was shopping. And he was all in black. Black hat, black sunglasses, black suit. He was probably six foot four. And no matter what aisle I went down, he would be right there. And then I got some phone calls. Nelm says she told them she will not be silenced. In fact, that's why she's talking to us, wanting others to know. People have to experience stuff for themselves. And it doesn't bother me if, if, if people don't believe me. All I know is what, what has happened. Perhaps the hardest story to believe is what she says happened to her in the 1980s. My husband and I hadn't had relationships for a while. And I was pregnant. Four and a half months pregnant. And uh, everything was fine. You know, I got over the morning sickness and the baby was doing okay. And my husband was out of town. And things were going on, strange things. And uh, I went to bed that night and I thought, things aren't right now. You know, this is not right. I, feel, I, I sensed something that was near the house, you know, and I didn't know what. So I went to bed pregnant, four and a half months pregnant. And I woke up that morning and I'd had a terrible night, like it was a nightmare, a literal nightmare. And I knew when I woke up that morning that I was no longer pregnant. She believes the aliens took her baby. Nelm says she's not sure where the beings come from and what exactly they're doing here, but she intends on finding out, and she says the aliens have chosen her. People are afraid, and I'm going to be there to help them. So what exactly did they say? They said that um, there will be a time when people will see more of us and that... Um, uh, you will be working with us. You will help those people.
and I have no fear. No. Jay Nelms probably doesn't fit your stereotype of someone who claims close encounters with UFOs and aliens. She's lived a prosperous life all over the world and has settled in East Texas with her husband. Her father was an intelligence officer for the British Aircraft Corporation. He was even knighted by the Queen of England for his service to the country. Jane is also an artist and a writer. She's kept diaries of her alleged encounters, which she may one day try to get published. But of course, it's up to you to decide if you believe in her stories. Courtney Lane, KLTV 7 News. Jane is so confident, she says she will happily take a lie detector test. Now, wasn't that a freaky story? A little bit of a long clip, but worth, worth it. The, where do I begin to dissect this one? So, okay, she's willing to take a, we'll start at the end. She's willing to take a lie detector test, but those are scientifically um, inaccurate. Um, and even if what supposedly happened to her was all in her head, but she really and truly believes that it happened, the only thing that a lie detector test would, would prove would be that she really and truly believed that it happened. So there are just so many things that uh, I wish that I could ask her, like, okay, so you hadn't had sex with your husband in a fair amount of time, I'm assuming months, and then all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you're pregnant, um, and she just kind of brushes over that, like, um, okay, why wasn't the husband a little suspicious? Why wasn't she, like, going to the doctor and saying we have some, you know, immaculate conception thing going on here? You know, there's so many things that um, I'm sure – if you could talk to her, she would have a, a reasonable explanation for. But just from that news clip there, it leaves you wanting more. And I sure would want to hear more of the story. And, and I said I couldn't remember how far along pregnant she was whenever she lost the baby. And, of course, it answered that. She was four and a half months pregnant. And by then, I mean, pregnancy for a woman is only nine months, right, the average she was four and a half that puts her halfway through the pregnancy. She would be showing by then. So she said she went to bed pregnant and she woke up after a horrible night and just knew that she wasn't pregnant anymore. Well, yeah, because you wouldn't be showing anymore, right? That I mean, so, so many unanswered questions. So many unanswered questions. The next encounter comes from someone named Dale Snipes. Now, Dale Snipes is the author of uh, a book called 78 Years of UFOs. And Dale has experienced alien encounters since she was a child. Uh, the most terrifying encounter was at 3 in the morning when an alien tried to take her against her will. Now, she appeared on the show UFO Witness, and she told uh, Ben Hansen, the host of the show, or the primary investigator, however you want to say it, that uh, anyway, she told him that she woke up to a strange sound coming from the kitchen, and soon after, an alien appeared in her room and telepathically communicated with her. And she said that the alien, she calls him a star person, wanted to show her something and asked if she would come with him 
Now, it wasn't clear what the intentions of this alien were, but during the encounter, she said she tried to wake up her husband more than once, violently, as a matter of fact, and she dug her fingernails into his arm, and he never woke up, didn't flinch, didn't respond whatsoever. And she refused to go to the alien, or refused to go with the alien, and eventually it left. And the next morning, her husband showed his arm to her, and it was covered in bloody scratches. So here is um, Dale Snipes describing this encounter that she had with this alien. Since I was a child, I've been seeing strange things. Of the numerous encounters Dale has had over the years, one night lives on in her nightmares. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and um, I hear a funny noise in the kitchen. And I, I can't really place what it is. The mysterious noise drew closer to the bedroom. This being came out of the kitchen. little skinny creature. He had great big eyes, little tiny mouth. I felt fear. The description matches that of a star person who are believed to be able to communicate telepathically. And he said he wanted to show me something, would I come with him? And I didn't want to. I started praying. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, I'm not too sure what to do because it's kind of scary. I didn't really want to go with him. So I reached over to wake my husband up. And as you can see, I have some pretty good nails. And I'm actually digging my nails into his arm. Uh, I couldn't get him to wake up, and that was scary. He's not responding at all and I'm trying to wake him up and the, the being said I want you to come with me when I woke up the next morning my husband looks over at me and he said what was going on last night and I said you're not gonna believe this and he said well I know something happened look at my arm And he showed me his arm, and he actually had blood where I had scratched him hard enough to cause him to bleed. And yet it didn't wake him up. So that is scary. I would like to think that if I were asleep and my wife was digging her fingernails into my arm, that I would... Uh, be able to feel that. But, you know, one of the things about aliens and their ability to take, pe take people, I'm sorry to say kidnap. I guess it is kidnapping if they're taking someone against their will. But one of the things that, that one of the abilities that aliens have is the ability to basically 
like suspend time or make people, I don't know, like uh, put them in states of suspended animation or, or something of that nature. It's a common thing that you hear about in a lot of alien encounters where people are being taken. Now, I once again, I call it kidnapping because it's taking someone against their will. Um, I guess abducted would be the more politically correct term to use, but it is a common theme in alien abduction stories where the person is somehow unable to move, like in uh, sleep paralysis. Uh, if there are other people in the room, the other person is kept in some sort of state of suspended animation to where they are unaware of what's going on and cannot be aroused. The person that is being taken or abducted is most of the time shot up through some sort of beam of light or they just mysteriously, magically wake up in a ship somewhere. So that was, to me, a very scary story because, as I said, you have a person who had someone else not just in the same room but in the same bed with them, and she was trying to get her husband to wake up to help her, and for whatever, however these aliens were able to do it, he was like in state of suspended animation or almost like a coma unable to be aroused, that that is extremely scary as far as I'm concerned. So moving along, the next person is Bettina Rodriguez Aguilera. Now, she claimed that when she was seven years old that she was taken aboard your typical UFO, the round saucer-shaped UFO. And she... Uh, was interacting with tall, blonde aliens. There were two females and a male. Now, she never talked about them being aggressive in any shape, form, or fashion. She never talked about it being experimented on or anything like that. What she did say was that she was taken aboard their ship and provided with information and she said that they, the aliens explained to her that the center, and this is a quote, the center of energy is in Africa and that God is a universal energy and not a person. That kind of makes sense to me, that second part. Now, Miss uh, Rodriguez Aguilera is, she's, she's very well-rounded. She's an educator. She's an entrepreneur. And uh, she's an activist in uh, South Florida, where she lives. And she's always connected with a diverse group of people, it seems. And uh, she even at one point ran for the Republican primary, uh, ran in the Republican primary election to uh, represent Florida's 27th congressional district. With so much support from the people, a lot of reporters a lot of news outlets, and especially her um, political opponents, 
questioned about this interview that she gave back in 2009 about this alien encounter, if it basically made her seem crazy, if it risked her winning the election. But regardless, she never said that she regretted what she said or changed what happened or, you know, changed her story in any way. Now, I wish that I could play you. This this sounds, this story sounds very interesting to me. And I wish that I could play you a clip, but I scour the internet and there's not a lot out there about it. And the there's only like maybe two videos out there that show her talking about it. But unfortunately, these videos are in Spanish. And I have not been able to uh, find an audio clip or a video where I could download an audio from it that was in English or that had anything translated from it. So I can't find any clip that I can play you for this. And I really hate that because out of all the stories tonight, this one, to me, is one of the more interesting ones. And next we move along to uh, Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich. Now, Alex Dietrich, as I said, was a lieutenant commander in the Navy and was an F-A-18F strike fighter pilot from the VFA-41 Black Aces of Lemoore, California. In November of 2004, Lieutenant Commander Dietrich observed a UFO hovering over the ocean while she was on a training mission. The UFO moved at speeds beyond anything that she had ever seen before or since. She never claimed to see an alien. She never gave any indication of like what she thought it was. She just simply identified it as the famous tic-tac-shaped UFO. Nothing more, nothing less. She never mentioned having any type of interest in UFOs or UAPs before this incident happened, and she didn't entertain the idea or thought of it as being anything more than what she saw. And she was interviewed uh, on 60 Minutes, and once again, this is another little bit of a longer clip that... um, it's, it's very interesting nonetheless, and um, her, uh, her training partner, should I say, uh, is also um, in this um, audio clip, and he does a lot of talking on it as well. But here is uh, Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich talking about her encounter with a Tic Tac UFO back in 2004. We met two former Navy pilots, Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich and Commander Dave Fravor. In 2004, they witnessed something shocking, inexplicable, and seemingly out of this world. Did the thought of UFO enter your minds? It was unidentified, and that's why it was so unsettling to us, because we weren't expecting it, because we couldn't classify it. But what I want to be really careful of here is that we um, don't jump to conclusions, right? That we don't sensationalize this or... Little green men? uh, Yeah, little green men or extraterrestrial. You're seeing something that defies explanation. Right. Very much. Yes. 
It was November 2004, and the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group was training about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. The advanced new radar on a nearby ship, the USS Princeton, had detected what operators called multiple anomalous aerial vehicles over the horizon, descending 80,000 feet in less than a second. Fravor and Dietrich, each with a weapon system officer in the back seat, were ordered to investigate and found an area of white water in an otherwise calm blue sea. It appeared to them that an object about the size of a 737 was just under the water. So as we're looking at this, her backseater says, hey, Skipper, do you? And about that got out, I said, dude, do you, do you see that thing down there? And we saw this little white tic-tac looking object, and it's just kind of moving above the whitewater area. Do you ever drop your phone and it sort of bounces off the mm -hmm. countertop and then bounces off something else and it's sort of like no, no predictable movement, no predictable trajectory, yeah. I guess. It was just... It was just like a ping pong ball. No acceleration. Very, very random. Acceleration. As Dietrich circled above, Fravor went in for a closer look. So you're sort of spiraling down? Yep. The tic-tac's still pointing north-south. It goes and just turns abruptly and starts mirroring me. So as I'm coming down, it starts coming up. So it's, it's mimicking your moves. Yeah, it was aware we were there. You want to see how close I can get? So I go like this, and it's climbing still. And when it gets right in front of me, it just disappears. Disappears? Disappears. Like gone. And you saw no visible propulsion, right. no, no wings or anything to no. make it fly in our atmosphere? No, actually, when it turned and started coming up, it was kind of like, okay. Because <laughs> we have nothing that goes that fast and just starts climbing at will. Seconds later, the Princeton reacquired the target 60 miles away. So in a matter like, of... Like that? Yeah, it just appeared there. Mm -hmm. in, in seconds, yeah. it was 60 miles away. Mm -hmm. Later, another flight crew encountered what they believed to be the same object and briefly locked onto it with a targeting camera before it zipped off again. They didn't get a visual on it, but they did get this flare the footage, video. the forward-looking infrared. So you've got the infrared image right. yes. and your eyesight yes. and the Princeton the radar. all saying there is something out there. Yes. The Princeton had been tracking the anomalous objects for days. Dietrich says they were unarmed. You know, I felt the, the vulnerability of not having anything to defend ourselves, to not having any rounds, anything on the rails. If this was, in fact, a hostile threat, um, and we were engaged, I, I felt vulnerable, and then I felt confused when it disappeared. Dietrich says she briefed superiors about what they all saw. In no time, the story of their encounter spread quickly. Rumors like that spread within seconds. I would say with less than 30 minutes, the entire ship knew this happened. And what was the reception like? I actually thought it was kind of funny and started yeah. giving us a lot of grief. Ridicule. Yeah. Ridicule. Yeah. Yeah. They made cartoons, and Nothing. on the ship's TV, they played Men in Black and Independence Day and signs. signs. And so they, they, they made fun of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Did anybody take it seriously? Yeah, I believe the Admiral staff made a few phone calls, but that was the extent of it. So I know she didn't do a whole heck of a lot of talking there, but what I found interesting was her and... 
and um, God, I can't I can't remember his name. Her her, her commander there. Um, how just very. I mean, you can tell that it's just um, very matter of fact. This is what we saw. We're not making any conclusions about this. We're not projecting anything on it. This is, they're very analytical. They're like, this is the circumstances. This is what we saw. This is what happened. And to me, that is really, really credible, especially because you have not only the, the way that they describe it, but because these are two trained Navy jet fighter pilots who are very highly trained in observation. And let's face it, pilots up until now, especially back then, just didn't report stuff like this. But yet they did. And now they kind of, I guess you can make the argument that they kind of had to because they were sent out specifically at one point to see what this thing was because it was on radar, so they had to make some sort of report. But, I mean, you know, it, it's still, to me, one of the more credible UFO <clears throat> sightings out there, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. The next thing I want to talk about, or the next person I want to talk about, is a, a lady named Shell Marie. Now, this happened in Alaska at Alaska Pacific University. Um, Shell Marie was a student there and had a UFO encounter that left her with 30 years of traumatic memory loss. Now, there was a, a TV show called uh, Aliens in Alaska, and she was featured on this show, and she actually allowed cameras to go inside her hypnotherapy session. And during the session, it starts by saying that she went outside to smoke a cigarette. She remembers randomly looking up at the sky and seeing a large black object that was covered with lights and some kind of language that she could not decipher written on the craft. And she said that she wouldn't ever have known that it was above her if she hadn't looked up. Now, this is... uh, kind of like a two-parter clip. The first part is like her describing um, her uh, encounter with what she saw. And then the second part, which is the longer part, is going to be her actual uh, hypnosis uh, session. Of course, it's not not all of it, but it's how it appeared on the show Aliens in Alaska. So we'll start off with her describing um, her encounter. So this was the dorm I was in. It was about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I went outside to have a cigarette. Everybody else was asleep. I scanned all the rooms. A lot of lights were off. And then I came over here to this corner. And I just stood right here. And I was just enjoying the the quiet, peaceful night. And all of a sudden, I look up and I see this enormous, huge black object stealthily coming towards. 
at first thought it was possibly military, and I just kept staring at it. There were three lights on the bottom that were triangular, and then one light in the center that was red. The only thing that I could compare it to was the um, puzzle box from the Hellraiser movies, except it was all black. The ship was literally above the dormitory, maybe three inches above it. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. They were aliens, extraterrestrial beings. The most eerie thing about it was that you could not hear a sound. So that's her describing before she went under hypnosis. That's her describing the event as she remembered it. Now, this next clip that I'm going to play for you is actually her in her hypnosis session. And you can see how the, the uh, hypnosis brings out more detail than what she could ever remember. And now you're ready. Shell is coming to me today about an incident that happened to her in 1991. One, two, and three. Be there now. There was something black coming towards my friend's dorm. The corner of that craft had aligned with the corner of the building. And I thought it was going to land. I thought it was going to make contact with the building. Did it have a sound? No sound. If I didn't look up, I never would have seen it. Can you describe what it looked like? It was a, like a box. And there was all kinds of grooves that went all along the walls and underneath. And they crossed each other, these grooves, and it was almost like a map. And then, Shell shocks herself with what she remembers next. I think there was language on there. There was some kind of language on there. I can't tell what kind of writing that is. Did you feel like what or whoever was in there was aware that you were there? Yes. That's not a human. Do you feel even now any kind of fear? I don't know what they're doing here. What kind of feeling does that give you? Frightened. What do they want? Are they going to hurt us? Begin to see and in your mind's eye everything there, how it looked, how it felt. I knew then that it, it knew I, I was there. I didn't, I wanted to scream out. Why did it feel like that you didn't or could not? I was ashamed, I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to think I was weird. You were afraid of what people would think of you if you told them what you saw? Yes. And I looked at the payphone and wondered what I would say if I called 911. But I was afraid that they would take me away. It would put me in a mental hospital. I didn't know who to call. And I just kind of carried that with myself for a long time. But I know we're not alone. You know that you did see it and, and it was real. And so now you know there was never, even then, and especially now, 
any reason to be ashamed to say and share with people what you saw. Watch it move away from you now. And it's taking any fear, any regret. Watch it until it's completely out of sight. And it's leaving you with a sense of awe so that when you leave here today, you'll know that you saw something that was special. It's gone. Excellent, good. Now take a moment, breathe in deeply in through your nose and out through your mouth. And whenever you're ready, you can take the glasses off. <laughs> That's amazing. That's good job. You did it. So that was Shell Marie under hypnosis describing her encounter with this black UFO. And if you'll notice how, thanks to being hypnotized, she was able to recall a lot more information than simply what she was able to remember. Of course, now we're talking, you know, this had been, at the time of the hypnosis, it has been 30 years since she had uh, had her encounter. So you know how memories fade, and you would think, oh, God, well, if I had something like that, then, you know, that would stay with me for years like I was right there reliving it. Not necessarily, you know. Um, and you, especially if you're scared and something freaks you out, like it obviously freaked her out, There's the mind is such a weird thing. And sometimes in order to, keep yourself from breaking mentally, your mind will suppress certain things like, you know, traumatic memories. And that was obviously a very traumatic memory for her. Now, I don't, you know, you can put however much emphasis on hypnosis as you want. Um, I'm not one of those people who's very susceptible to hypnosis. Um, I've been hypnotized a couple of times in my life, and uh, I say that loosely because I'm not really sure whether I was hypnotized or not. I kind of think that I wasn't, but you know that's that's a that's a long story. It's a different story. I'm not even going to get into that. But uh, you know, hypnosis and this regression therapy and stuff that that is popular for people who are uh, trying to help uh, with these traumatic memories from from being uh, taken, abducted, if you will, by UFOs is is something that I don't think is as popular right now as what it has been in the past. But at one point in time, there was a lot of people that was going through it. I just don't know how much emphasis that you can place on that. Um, you know, it maybe there's something to it, but I'm not quite sure. The jury's still, my jury's still out. The next person we're going to talk about is Jerry Julian. Now, she lives, she's a Native American, and she lives at the uh, Jacarilla Apache Reservation in New Mexico. And, uh, well, she had an encounter there that uh, was very traumatic to her at the time, uh, and one of the things that uh, she says during her interview is that uh, she doesn't um, call these things extraterrestrials or aliens. She calls them, and quote-unquote, disturbed people. Now, I don't know 
if that's her way of coping with what happened, just saying, oh, it was disturbed people, or if that's what she really believes or why that she calls them disturbed people instead of calling them aliens or extraterrestrials. The first encounter that she remembers was when she was sitting outside and she saw a craft fly from behind one of the mountains there on the reservation. And she said the craft descended from the sky and approached her where she was sitting. And then later that night, two of these small disturbed people uh, tried to force her to get out of her bed and come with them. And if you recall, I was, earlier I was talking about how in a lot of these abduction stories, people are unable to move, uh, they're unable to speak, kind of like sleep paralysis. This is something that happened with her. She couldn't scream, she couldn't move, she couldn't do anything. And she said eventually they left her alone. I guess they were unsuccessful in actually abducting her at that point in time. So here's her describing uh, her story. Here we go. Sorry, here's her describing her uh, her story. Once again, on this is uh, coming from UFO Witness, and she's talking to Ben Hansen. We just sat at the end gate. And then all of a sudden, from there, we saw, like, something coming down up of our ladder mountain, going towards the road, something white. On top, there was, like, a doom like this. It was huge. An egg-shaped craft similar to what her fellow tribal member Dory saw was getting closer. My husband, he looked at it, and then he tells me right away, he said, get in the truck. And then I said, I want to see it too. He said, no, get in the truck. So I put the end gate back up, and then I got in the truck. And then the truck will start. Really? As Jerry's husband struggles to get the truck started, the couple suddenly notices figures approaching. Two small people started climbing down. Finally, Although Jerry didn't get a close look, she saw the figures go back to their egg-shaped UFO and fly back towards the mountain. Wow, wow. And it went back on top of Archlera Mountain to where the, the hole is, that way. The hole, what's the hole? There's a hole on the other side of the Archlera Mountain. Got a hole in it, or do you mean that it's actually they open? They made it. Whoever it is, they made it. Wow. But this is not the end of Jerry's story. That night, the beings came back, and this time, she saw them up close. At my house, at night, I woke up while it was dark in my room. There were two small people, they were trying to pull me off the bed, and I couldn't scream. And she has a specific name for her would-be abductors. The star people. I was holding onto the mattress down here, and they were trying to pull me off. And then 
my husband like move and then they let me go wow and then all day the next day i couldn't get it off my mind what if they come again tonight what if they really take me they're they're the star people so is that what you believe is that they're they're extraterrestrial mm -hmm. So I know she's kind of hard to understand because of her thick Apache accent, and it sounds like she's saying "destar people," but she's really saying "disturbed people." That's what she calls them, disturbed people. And it's, um, gosh, I don't know. Is it the Native Americans all just about have stories of? star people are alien beings who somehow uh, are responsible for creating the world or creating this realm that we're in and uh, are responsible for passing knowledge to that particular tribe. And this is just one of these things that kind of falls right in line with stories of that nature. Um, of course, the all the stories that you hear from the Native American lore, usually it's something good. It's about uh, you know the the star people came down and they uh, they fought some other being or or they came to to create this world or they came down and they created the world themselves and created the the Native Americans and passed the knowledge onto them. It's usually something good and very rarely do you hear something like Jerry's story where the quote unquote disturbed people come and try to physically take somebody somewhere. Um, what I find very intriguing about this story is the fact that it's a Native American woman telling the story because you generally don't hear a lot of Native Americans talking about uh, UFO encounters or being abducted. Uh, you hear a lot of them talk about things like Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Wendigo, stuff like that, these cryptid-type creatures, but very rarely do you hear them talk about UFOs and alien encounters. So that's one of the things that made this story very intriguing and very weird and strange as far as I'm concerned. Next, we're going to move on to Geraldine. Oh, boy, I'm going to mess this name up. I'm, I practiced it before I started uh, recording this episode, and, and now it's been over an hour, and I can't, <laughs> can't remember how I said it. Geraldine Orozco. Now, Geraldine Orozco, if you, re, if you recall earlier, uh, I said that there was going to be more than one story about someone who was pregnant and then all of a sudden not pregnant. And this is that second story. One too many times, Geraldine Orozco would become pregnant and then wind up having this weird miscarriage. And every time this happened, the doctors could never, ever find a fetus. And this was a mystery. Even when she would try to go find second opinions on all this, no one could explain why. So you're pregnant one day, 
The next day you have a quote-unquote miscarriage, but we can't find a fetus. And all of a sudden, in October of 2013, she was taken aboard an alien spacecraft. Had the classic body being paralyzed, can't move, can't speak, taken into the craft. She was surrounded by these tall, gray aliens. And while she was there, she was shown her hybrid children. It turns out she was not having miscarriages, that she was indeed pregnant, but she was pregnant with alien babies, hybrid babies, and at some point they would take the fetus from her and I guess put it in an incubator, a test tube, whatever, and uh, raise the child there. And they wanted her at some point. They decided she needs to see her children. Um, and ever since this incident happened in 2013, she actually has started a support group for other women who have experienced being part of this alien breeding program and being impregnated with alien babies and then having their babies taken from the womb to either be experimented upon, propagate the race, whatever. So this is her talking uh, in an interview with uh, Ben Hansen uh, off of, uh, of course, UFO Witness. So uh, this is a, a rather long clip. How long is this clip? Uh, this is this is about a five-minute long uh, clip here. So here we go with, with Geraldine. Sure. So the most interesting event was actually years ago where I became pregnant and I got pregnancy test positive. Were you, I know this is kind of personal, but were you and your partner trying to have children? No, we weren't trying to yeah. have children. You were thinking it could possibly... Happens. be a child from, yeah. from your partner. Exactly. Next thing you know, I have a miscarriage and there's no fetus. There's nothing. Geraldine had been pregnant for eight weeks when she miscarried. A fetus should have been visibly present. But even though her doctor confirmed Geraldine was exhibiting the signs of a miscarriage, there was no sign of the fetus. Every time I would become pregnant, I would have a miscarriage or a miscarriage where there wouldn't be the fetus, the fetus would be missing. Okay, that's, so you're, that's pretty incredible. So you're saying like, you felt like you're pregnant, yeah. so you go to the doctor mm -hmm. and you have a pregnancy test and it comes back positive. Yeah, so when I would see the doctor and I saw different doctors over the years, they wouldn't know how to explain what had happened to me. And of course, neither did I. So then I said, okay, maybe I can't have children. After that happened, like five years went by. In 2013, I had a conscious experience in my bedroom. Even though it was seven years ago, Geraldine can still recall every detail. I was uh, sleeping and all of a sudden I wake up because there's a bright light in my room. And as I looked down at my phone, it says 3.30 in the morning. And part of me was a little bit afraid at that moment because it was thinking, oh, is there someone outside my window? So I look outside my window and the light is so bright that it's burning my eyes. And next thing I know, my entire body paralyzes. 
moment, I feel my body being taken through the window. I was uh, brought into a craft. I was paralyzed. This being comes next to me, and I'm terrified at this point, but I can't even scream. So what did the aliens look like? They're very tall. Um, they are these greys. They have these giant eyes. The greys, also known as the Zeta Reticulans, are said to be tall, slender creatures with large eyes and gray skin. Would you say it was the scariest thing that's ever happened to you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But there's more. Geraldine claims that aliens actually presented her to her alien human children. This being is showing me these children. And as I'm looking at these children and I see what they look like, they're not all the way human. This gray, thin skin, it's a much bigger head. And these giant eyes that are so deep and so profound and so complex, it was just incredible. But what I recognized as I'm meeting the child is that it's my child. It looks like me, it has something that is a part of me. At this moment, Geraldine realized why she could never get pregnant. She believed she wasn't having miscarriages. Her unborn children were being stolen from her womb and mutated with alien DNA. As I'm seeing the child in front of me, I know that it's mine. Okay. And I'm wanting to take care of them. And before I start to feel that, they immediately remove everything away from me. So that was her describing meeting her alien hybrid children. And prior to that, her getting pregnant and mysteriously losing her babies without any fetus being found whatsoever. No evidence of any type of fetus. So that was from a 2020 interview that she did with Ben Hansen on UFO Witness. Um, she makes a very compelling uh, storyteller. Um, and I say storyteller not using the term as she's telling a story as in a lie. I'm talking about her story. The way that she tells it is very intriguing, very interesting. Uh, I've been to her website. I cannot remember what the name of it is off the top of my head, but I've been to her website. Um, she's very active in the UFO UAP community and works a lot with women who especially have uh, been abducted and been uh, forced against their will and unknowingly to be part of this breeding program, for lack of a better word. It, it, I, I wish I knew um, how they made these women pregnant. I'm not saying they're raping these women, but they're putting fetuses in them somehow. They're, they're, they're impregnating them somehow with sperm. I mean, that's the only way I can think of it. They're injecting sperm into them somehow. I, I, I don't know. It's just all weird and gross-sounding to me. Speaking of weird-sounding, well, this whole thing has been weird-sounding. But This next one is, uh, well, it's 
pretty damn weird. <laughs> it, just out of everything that I'm talking about tonight, this is one of the more weirder things, the, the, the more strange stories. This comes from Sharon Gilbert. She's an author, reporter. Uh, she's uh, a co-host on Skywatch TV. She's a Christian podcaster, you know, jack of all trades. Um, several years ago on the Jim Baker show, which is a Christian television show, she was talking about her alien encounter. And what makes her story so interesting is that it's the opposite of the typical alien encounter. Most alien encounters start with witnessing the the alien craft, the UAP, before seeing the aliens. However, there weren't any indications or warnings for Sharon. Her encounter began as just... Bam, the aliens are right there and scaring the hell out of her. While she was lying in bed, an alien visited her, this is her story, in the form of her husband. Now, even though this alien was appearing as her husband, her actual husband was lying in the bed beside her. But she said that something that was disguised as him lifted out of his body and that this creature wanted to have sex with her. So I'm assuming he was trying to inoculate her into the alien breeding program. I don't know. Maybe he was just horny. I have no idea. Um, so the communication between her and this alien was all telepathic and he had, she described him as having a mask like her husband's face on. And um, she reached out to pull this mask off of the face of this creature. And she said, Jesus is real. Jesus is real. And she pulled the mask off. And lo and behold, there was what she described a gargoyle with reptilian features. Now, she never said how this alien creature, demon, gargoyle, reptile thing got into the room. She never said how it left the room. And her story is just like, this is it. This is it in a nutshell. Bam. It's one of the more out there stories that I've ever heard as far as alien encounters go or alien abductions. Uh, I, I, I really don't know what to make of it. Um, that's why it's my number two on this list of weird and strange alien encounters. And I have a clip from her off the Jim uh, Baker show. It's about two minutes long with her describing this really weird incident with this alien reptile gargoyle creature thing. After Derek and I got married, one night, this other Derek appears in our bed. The real Derek is lying down next to me. Other Derek sits right up out of it. It startled me. 
I knew that was not Derek. And so I asked this critter, who are you? Because he clearly wanted to have sexual relations. And I said, he said, come on, I'm your husband. I said, who are you? And he had the nerve to claim to be Ahasuerus, Xerxes. Well, other Derek seriously wanted to invite me to use my free will to do something that was going to pull me away from God. So this last time, I knew he was really desperate. And I asked him again, who are you? He told me the same answer, and I said, I'm not going with you. This was an internal dialogue. Finally, I said, I've had enough in my mind. I reached up. I grabbed his face, and I said, you are a liar, and Jesus is real. And I pulled that face off, and beneath Jesus. it was a reptile. And he had little creatures with him this time. He brought these little halfling creatures, and they looked like, I don't know, gargoyles. They were very reptilian as well. So beneath that face of Derek was a reptilian serpentine creature, probably similar to what was visiting the Anasazis. Wow. Well, the Bible says... Wow. That's just... Was that... A description of an alien encounter, or was it a demonic attack? Was it an incubus? That's a possibility. Um, still, it's up in the air. That's why I included it here with this countdown. Is it an alien? Is it a demon? Is it something? Are are demons aliens, or are aliens demons? That's a whole nother debate for a whole nother show, but it very well could be that this was a demonic attack and not an alien, uh, an attempted alien abduction. Uh, if you're familiar with the incubus and the succubus stories, the succubus is a uh, female demon who uh, will have sex with men and an incubus is the opposite. It is a male demon who will have sex with women during the obviously during the night. So could this have been the story of an incubus or could this have been a reptilian alien trying to, you know, take her and put her in some sort of alien breeding program? The jury's still out on that one. Um, could be either one. I can go either way with that. And finally, my number one on the list is uh, Angela Schultz. She now goes by the name Anjali because that's what the alien beings named her. Oh, where can I start with this? This is just as far out there, I think, as almost you can possibly get. So Angela Schultz um, ran as a Democrat candidate for South Dakota Senate and Secretary of State all the way back in 2014. And years later, she mentioned that she was a retired defense intelligence official. And uh, on August uh, 17th of 2021, Angela talked about her alien encounter at a quote-unquote press conference that she held in front of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Now, I say 
press conference because that's what she called it. I saw this thing. I couldn't watch all of it uh, because it was just, I can't even describe how horrendous this thing was. Um, It wasn't so much of a press conference as it was her telling her life story. Um, it, the, the quote unquote press conference lasted almost an hour and a half. And the first like 20 minutes was her trying to figure out how she was going to record this thing. And it wound up basically being recorded, um, and, and put out to the world from uh, a cell phone camera of all things who goes to a, what, what kind of press conference and you have a cell phone camera, right? Her her press conference was more like her trying to tell her life story because it started out as, here's my name, here's my birth date, this is how old I am, this is where I was born, this is my childhood story, this is me as a teenager, this is me as an adult, this is me getting my first job. It was just all this backstory that was totally not needed for her uh, press conference about her meeting these aliens and being given this knowledge about earth and mankind and our race. And so much of her press conference was her going into unnecessary details about things, almost as if she was trying too hard to convince you that this story was real. You know how someone who uh, wants you to believe their story, especially if it's not true, how they will go into just graphic detail about things that don't really matter. Um, Like, oh, the color of the carpet was this bright, vivid red. And I remember it because it had a stain on it that was like the car. It was like a coffee stain in the shape of a heart. I remember that so vividly. I mean, just like this weird stuff that has no relevance to the story whatsoever. A lot of that was this press conference that she had. Um, so basically in a nutshell, she met a couple somewhere in Southern California at a coffee shop and became friends with her. They showed her, for whatever reason, the location of an alien base. And this was somewhere in the Mojave Desert, but she didn't reveal its exact location. Uh, Now, this happened in January of 2010. And she said that the man that she met, the male part of this couple, had excavated a tunnel on the side of a mountain, and that was part of his property. And in... Inside this tunnel, there was a bright light that guided them to a secret alien base. And there she saw aliens with lavender skin and one that looked like, her words, a praying mantis. And as is a common theme through this, the conversations that she was having with these aliens were not vocally, it was all through telepathy. And, excuse me, toward the end of her press conference, she stated that she planned to go back to this alien base with other individuals, some reporters, and uh, to, to further prove that her story was real. But 
as of now, there's still no confirmation if she went back to this base or not. Now, she was famous for about five minutes, like on the day of her press conference. And this press conference was so horrendous. It was all over the Twitterverse, and it was so horrendous that I think uh, people just kind of like immediately blew this person off as completely crazy and insane. And she's sitting there in this press conference outside of the Lincoln Memorial. First of all, there's like airplanes flying overhead. There's some dude cutting the grass out there. So it's really, really, and, and it's it's recorded on a cell phone. So there's no microphones there because no one from the legitimate press bothered to show up because they're like, this bitch is crazy and we're not going to waste our time with this. So there's no professional microphone there. There's no professional cameras. It's shot off of a cell phone. So it's really hard to understand her at times because there's some dude, like I said, with a lawnmower cutting the grass. You hear a plane flying overhead a, a lot. And she is telling this story, and you can tell it's it seems to me anyway to be very well rehearsed, and she tries way too hard to go into the minutia of the details of this to legitimize her story. And like I said, this, this quote-unquote press conference was um, almost an hour and a half long, and I've whittled this thing down to uh, about uh, seven or eight minutes worth of uh, painfulness. So <laughs> here you go with Anjali describing part of her experience of going into the side of a mountain in the Mojave Desert. So at about three o'clock in the afternoon, on Sunday, January 21st, 2018, I entered a tunnel that had been excavated by a man who, yes, knows how to do it and laughs wholeheartedly at the idea that it can't be done. Who cares? No one cares about that. She's proud of herself for saying that. I entered the tunnel with four people, Wayne and Trisha and another couple whom they're no longer in contact with. of walking into this nicely nicely excavated tunnel I just have to say that once again no one cares how nice the tunnel was too specific of a detail ahead of us and we began walking a little bit quicker and when we rounded the corner how she pauses to give people their time to like write the there stuff down. There was a gray um I do not believe that he is organic in the way that we understand. Also not a drone in the way that we understand. <laughs> 
that's the person's cell phone vibrating, receiving a text message. But a I'm body sure. that holds a consciousness that interacts. There were also several other beings that were what we typically, now I understand, call in this community, the phenomena community. They were all well over six, approaching probably six and a half, maybe a little bit taller. Very tall. They would stand out in this crowd. We would all notice. They had fine white hair. Warm, not cool colored, a warmish white. But their skin, they're radiant. They have, it's nearly alabaster. But I don't mean to imply cold or hard. Just beautiful and stunning. And makes you want to run your hand across it. saying hello to me and at the time nearly feigning surprise oh hello Anjali they said we've been waiting to talk to you they wanted me accompany them deeper into their base and I want to make something very clear that from where this excavated tunnel is this beautifully is rock, excavated okay? tunnel people who live in the Mojave Desert they understand what I'm talking about and they know um, it's pretty stable details no one cares about where it ended and where their space began was seamless there was nothing there it just suddenly was okay this wasn't like there was a physical edge that I could delineate took me into a room where I met several of the most amazing beings that are here. <clears throat> One was in a body approaching eight foot tall. Taller than the door that was like a, like a sliding hatch door. I looked up onto the, into the, into the room on the other side of the door to meet the face of a being that had been giving me visits. 
and I had thought at the time that this being was probably about four feet tall. Such is the nature of this phenomena. This being in physical, in physical form has chosen an eight foot tall form with lavender skin that looks like a very beautiful praying mantis. A mantis. I wish nothing more than for the outcome of all of this to be for you to see the beauty in the faces that I saw that day. And that's about all of that I can stomach. So you notice how she is almost like she is telling a story from memory, like this was something that was written down or something that she read and is reciting this from memory. And obviously you can tell that I I, I just don't believe this. I, I think that she might believe that what um, she's saying is true, but I just, I can't buy it. Um if you want to watch this whole debacle of a press conference, just look up Angelia Schultz. It's A-N-G-E-L-I-A, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, or you can just type in A-N-J-A-L-I press conference. It's on YouTube. You can find it. Um, it's, it is out there for all to see. I don't know what has ever happened to this lady. I don't know um, what her end game was with all this. I I, I really think that she really believes that um, all of this happened, Um, but it's too much. To me, it's too much like she is reciting a story um, from memory and she's going into too specific of a detail about things that really don't matter in order to try to prove to you that this is something that is real and that happened. So were those stories weird or what? What do you think? Are those people just playing crazy or did they really experience something? Which one seemed credible to you and which one seemed completely full of BS? Let me know what you think. Send me an email, sandman at parareality.com or leave a post on the official Parareality Facebook page or send me a tweet. Slide into my DMs there on Twitter at Radio. I'll tell you how you can get, get in touch with me. I'll tell you all the ways you can do that here in a few minutes. I, I personally find... Uh, Alex Dietrich to be the most credible out of everyone that I just talked about. And obviously I think that uh, Anjali is pretty much certified crazy. Um, You may feel completely different, and and if you do, that's okay. Contrary to popular belief, it's perfectly acceptable to have an opinion that's different from someone else's. It's called having a feeling or belief that's all your own, 
and it shows that you're thinking for yourself and not being wholly influenced by what others want you to believe. And trust me, my dear Sand fans, that is a good thing. Now, one thing that all of these stories had in common, besides the fact that they're all kind of weird and they all involved aliens, did you notice the one thing that they all had in common? In case you didn't, here it is. All of those cases were women. Not one single male was involved in that. Unless you want to talk about the Tic Tac UFO thing. So, was that by design for me or was it just a coincidence? Well, it's actually just a coincidence. I did not design that to be a holy female-centered podcast episode. I didn't mean for all of these weird stories to be told mainly by women, but yet they all were. So does that show some sort of pattern? Are women more susceptible to being uh, abducted by UFOs or having a UFO encounter versus a man? Maybe so. Maybe women's minds are more open to things than us men. I think that's something that we need to talk about further, something we need to ponder. And uh, I think that would make a really, really good podcast episode for us to talk about that, dive into that a little bit deeper. So what do you think? Am I onto something here? Let me know. Send me an email, sandmanatparareality.com. Well, that about does it for tonight's extra-long episode of Parareality. Thanks for listening. I certainly hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode. If you want to leave me a comment about this or anything else about the podcast, let me tell you how you can do it because there are several ways that you can find me, and here they are. The uh, best, easiest way to get hold of me is to just email me. My email address is, of course, sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash sandman.parareality. That's facebook.com slash sandman.parareality. You can post a message there on the official uh, Facebook page for the podcast, or you can send me a message, instant message me. You can find me on Twitter at Parareal Radio. Slide into my DMs there on Twitter or tweet at me at Parareal Radio. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, same thing, at Parareal Radio. You can uh, get hold of me there. And on, on uh, Instagram, I uh, post uh, don't post as frequently as what I do on Twitter. I need to get into the habit of doing that. But I do post on Instagram. I do have an Instagram account. Uh, I post uh, on, on Twitter and Instagram, but mainly uh, I, I, I do mainly Twitter. Um, but on both of those, you can find me at Parareal Radio. That's at Parareal Radio. Like I said, you can slide right into my DMs right there. Um, let's see. You can always call the podcast, too. I forgot where I was at. You can always call the podcast, too, if you've got a story you want to tell or you want to just call up and say, hey, you suck, or I have an idea for a show, or hey, you know, I want to be a guest on the podcast, or I have a story, whatever, just call the secret bunker. I got a direct line. 
615-692-1170. Call that number, 615-692-1170, and leave me a message. But I want you to remember this. If you do decide to leave me a message, you're giving me permission to play your comment back on the podcast. So if you do not want that to happen, you'll need to let me know somewhere in your message. Now, like I said, I'm always looking for interesting stuff to be on the podcast. You can call and say, I love your show. You can call and say, you suck. You can call with a podcast idea, comment, whatever. If you got a story that you want to tell, just tell it to me over the voicemail. There's a three-minute time limit. And if you run out of time, just call back and pick up where you left off. So those are all the ways that you can get in touch with me here on the Parareality Podcast. And also, please don't forget to visit my website, parareality.com. That's a place where you can keep up with all of the latest paranormal news from all around the world. I got an entire page of the website devoted to paranormal news, and the content is updated almost on a daily basis. It's on the para uh, para news section there on the website. You can also shop in my store, the official Parareality store, and buy some Housewares, T-shirts, undergarments, maybe some socks, coaster, stuff like that to show your love for parareality. You can also watch some of the, uh, I've made some terrible videos over the course of, <laughs> of this podcast, and uh, I've got those up there for your viewing pleasure so you can uh, see some of those terrible videos. Feel free to make fun of it. It's okay. That's why they're up there. It's for your uh, your enjoyment. <laughs> um, I've also got a huge archives section on the website. It's under the archives tab. I've got uh, audio or, yeah, from this version of Parareality and some of the other versions over the years, uh, even got some episodes back when I was on terrestrial radio with WRFN out of Pasquo, Tennessee, up on the side of the mountain. Um, and when I was with uh, Live 365, I got all kinds of uh, audio up on there on the archive section, and it is absolutely free. So if you got a favorite episode, you want to go back and listen to it, just check in the archive section on the website. That's parareality.com. Make sure you check it out. This podcast can be heard on your favorite podcast station. Just search for Parareality. If you've got a smart speaker, you can listen there too. If you've got any of the podcast skills activated on your device, just say, play the Parareality podcast. And don't forget about my YouTube channel. I do have a YouTube account, and you can listen to the podcast there, too. I upload all of my audio to my YouTube channel, and I post some videos there, too. I've got some UFO and paranormal documentaries there. I've got a little news segment called News of the Strange that I did a couple of segments on. got some terrible show videos that I was talking about. You can find all of that on YouTube.com slash user slash Parareality1. That's the number one. YouTube.com slash user slash Parareality1. Now, uh, listen, I've been talking about podcasts and how you can listen to the show and download it and all this other sorts of stuff. I would greatly appreciate you guys if you uh, happen to listen to this podcast on, a, on the reg and you like it, give me a three, four, or five-star rating, whatever platform you're listing on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
whatever. Uh, the, the more ratings that I get, especially three, four, and five-star ratings, the more widely available this podcast is, and it would help me out greatly. Please give me some ratings. Give me some three, four, or five-star ratings. Um, if you've got an idea for how I can improve the podcast, I've told you how you can get in touch with me. Please email me, DM me, post on my wall, call the show. Let me know, uh, especially if you've got an idea for a podcast episode that you would like to hear. I always love to get in, hear from uh, the sand fans out there, as I call you. Whether it's good, bad, in between, give me a shout. Give me a rating, three, four, or five stars. I would greatly appreciate it. So, uh, yeah, that's about it for this evening. The next episode of Reality, the final episode of the season, going to drop on November the 18th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. So make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. I hope that this podcast opens up your mind up to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope you have a great evening, great weekend, and I'll see you again in two weeks on November 18th for the finale, the season finale of Periality. Good night, everybody. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. <laughs>